Hi everyone, and thanks for joining us for this week's Feature Week on Future Net Zero surrounding energy markets. And today I'm joined by Gina Cohen, who's an international gas researcher from the Technion University in Israel. How are you doing, Gina? Thank you very much, I'm well. So at the moment, the energy markets are a, a hot topic for obvious reasons. Um, and given your expertise in the gas side of things, and particularly natural gas, I wanted to ask really from the start, irrespective of the, the current situation with Russia, which is obviously contributing heavily to where we find ourselves, why do you think that Europe and the UK included in that find themselves in this position with the market? Well, I think that the main contributor to the situation in Europe is Europe, uh, because Europe put himself in the situation of being over-dependent on one main source of gas supply, namely Russia, not exclusively Russia. Of course, the UK has its own indigenous gas and, and Europe as a whole uh, imports a lot of gas from, from, from Norway, but it has focused very much and trusted very much one main source of gas, Russia. And on the other hand, it has focused a lot on renewables. In my view, uh, before the technology is really available for renewables to be trustworthy. I completely take your point there that, you know, that, that has been a heavy push from Europe. Everyone wants to go green. And there was actually a report uh, this week from the UN that said that there's a lot of hype and expectation around going greener, but it's not happening in Europe. And now what we found, you've seen it with Germany in particular, is that, you know, they say we'll cut Russia, but then they're realizing they can't. So what do you think can be done at this time to sort of level gas supply and support the market? Well, I think there's very little for Europe to do in the short term because the problem with gas and with renewables is that they're long-term projects. To right. buy additional volumes of gas, it requires a lot of um, upstream, downstream investment. And the same with renewables. Nothing is a quick fix. It's like this great uh, uh, aircraft carrier in the sea that you can't move it around quickly. So there's not much that Europe can do in the short term except for reducing demand. And reducing demand, of course, in Europe means a lower standard of living. It means either companies are going to go bankrupt or people are going to go cold or will have to decide whether they can buy food, energy or, or medicine. So that's a huge Fall in the standard of living in Europe, which I don't think anybody in Europe anticipated this would happen to them. Next year will be worse. Next winter will be worse. So there's very little that Europe can do in the short term. Uh, the concern is that Europe is going to misjudge what it needs to do in the midterm and long term. And by this, I mean that very well Europe may continue to do the same thing it has done over the last decade, namely rely more and more on renewables. Again, before renewables are totally available in a stable manner for the market. So bonus we can do to improve its situation in the short term. It has to look at the midterm and long term in order not to regress to the same situation it has reached this winter. From the point of view of, of, of the market as a whole, obviously gas in recent years, because of the way that people are trying to say, we should be using more wind or we should be using more solar. And as you say, in a lot of places, the infrastructure isn't ready to to provide what people want to consume. Do you think that gas is being given an, an unfair decline from the market saying, people saying, well, we can't go back to it, so we won't. Well, but if we want to stay warm this winter, are you saying that there's, there's no option, you just have to deal with it and deal with what's in front of you first and then think about going greener in the long term? 
No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that um, I'm saying that in in the short term, there's very little that Europe can do because it's not going to manage to get additional supplies of gas or not enough additional supplies of gas and because renewables are not available yet to a su sufficient extent so i'm saying in the in the short term there's very little we can do except for suffer pay yeah. higher prices and get lower standard of living in terms of energy and i'm saying that in the midterm to the long term if you do not want to repeat the situation that you're having this year and a worse situation you have next year that you have to do something different something different is not relying solely or mostly on Russia and not relying too much on renewables. Namely, Europe has to do a few things. It has to, yes, continue to buy Russian gas because I think without Russian gas, um, there, is, there aren't enough supplies available in the world uh, for Europe. It should be doing shale gas, should be drilling for shale gas. It should continue using nuclear or go back to using nuclear. Yes, it has to develop as much as possible renewable uh, renewable technologies, but it also has to very importantly buy new sources of gas in the long term, not in the short term. If it thinks it can buy for the long term sources of gas by signing a five-year contract, it's going to find itself losing out towards Asia that is willing to sign 15 and 20-year long-term contracts. I completely take your point there that obviously there's more of a heavy focus on this continent for the green agenda than others, which is meaning that, you know, they, they you could, I've seen a, a report the other day, for example, where countries in, in Africa are paying far less to make a cup of tea than we would in, in England or in France, right? Because they are, they're not using renewable power. Um, I've seen from your research that, you know, Israel and the Israeli market is is something that you see as an option uh, if you know Europe was to shift away to stabilize the market. Can you explain a bit about that and why you think that um, this should be something the continent should look more at? Okay, because um, there are very few options for the continent to get new sources of gas. And one of them is the one indeed that I'm working in. It's the Eastern Mediterranean, which includes Israel, Cyprus and Egypt. The area, I mean, Israel has discovered about a thousand VCM of gas and Cyprus about half the volume. Um, from all the volume that Cyprus has discovered, because it's a small island, they need very little uh, gas uh, in Cyprus. They can export everything they've discovered. Israel can export about a half of what is discovered. From the half, it has already signed contracts with Jordan and, 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 and Egypt. So if we reduce what has already been exported and what is needed for Israel, Israel can export about 400 BCM of gas and Cyprus can export about 350 to 400 BCM. Now the fields in Cyprus and in Israel are very close to each other. It's like a triangle and some of the fields are only about 20, 30 miles apart. So there's this sort of cluster of about 800 BCM of gas that could be exported, plus additional volumes from Egypt. So these are the volumes that exist here. There are certain options to get them into the global market and or simply into Europe which I can explain if you want me to explain. <laughs> yeah, please, go ahead, yeah. Okay, there are two LNG options, liquefied natural gas options, and two pipeline options. The first and easiest and quickest option by, by LNG is to bring the gas from Cyprus and Israel into Egypt. And Egypt already has liquefaction facilities, so we can use the liquefaction facilities available in Egypt to bring the gas anywhere into the global market, not necessarily into Europe. Uh, Israel is thinking about doing an FLNG, which is a floating LNG facility, offshore Israel, 
Um, that's quite a niche market. There's only about four or five of such facilities in the world, but it's an option that, that the companies here are considering. And then there's a two pipeline option to do a pipeline between Israel and Turkey, which is about 400 or 500 kilometers to the north of Israel. And Turkey is already connected to Eastern Europe, to Greece and Bulgaria, and then the gas can go on to, Hung to Hungary, to Slovakia, to Slovakia, to Italy, to Greece. Or one can do a direct pipeline between Israel and Italy, going via Cyprus and via Greece. So these are the four options. The, the issue is these options have been discussed for a few years already and have not progressed to a great extent. What would you say that if these choices were made, what would the impact be on the cost and the impact of the financial side of the market? Because clearly at the moment, that's the main talking point. That's the reason the market is in such a sort of groomed situation really. So would changing supplier, not just for political reasons, but also through a direct pipeline through like Italy, would that see a good impact on the market financially? Well, the, the gas from Russia was always at uh, quite a reasonable price. Yeah. Of course, things changed in the last year. It changed uh, also because Europe decided to, to force the Russians to move from an hour-link price to a half-link price. So that sort of increased a lot of the volatility and made the prices sometimes higher. But yes, gas from the Eastern Mediterranean could change or could, could bring in a new kind of hub pricing. It depends if it came in as LNG. If it came in as LNG then it will go into the LNG global market and will be based much more on the, uh, on the JKM price in Asia or different hub prices because LNG tends to compete with other LNG. Yeah. Uh, if, it was, if it went as a via as a direct pipeline, such as the pipeline going directly into Europe, then the Europeans could very probably, if they signed a long-term contract, they could sign it based on the prices in, in the Eastern Mediterranean and the prices here are about 5 or $6. Right. So it, there'll be 5 or $6 plus, of course, the, the suppliers here would want to have a, a premium risk for exporting rather than selling it to the local market. Plus, of course, one would have to add the cost of getting it 2,000 kilometers to Europe. But the price would, of course, be much lower than it is and has been for the last six months in Europe. And just to kind of summarize what you said and, and kind of end on a on a note of where you think this is going what's your opinion on policy planning and what do you think what changes do you think are needed in the market in both the short term and long term well as i said the short term i have no great uh, solution to offer because governments are trying to subsidize or impose price caps or uh, yeah. joint uh, platform of, of buying i think all these uh, issues are can be problematic and can cause more problems than than benefits um so yes you have to reduce demand reducing demand is a danger of course because you reduce demand too much then eventually that can impact supplies because companies are going to be wary about producing and, and selling gas to a continent which is reducing the demand yeah so reducing demand can also have an impact, but you have no choice because surplus uh, supplies are falling, so demand needs to fall. But in the mid and long term, there's a problem on both the Israeli and the European front, regulation and government and policies, as you said. The, the Europeans are not going ahead yet signing long-term contracts, although I'm beginning to hear that they may be willing to do so. So they need to sign long-term contracts. And they need to sign long-term contracts, which the sellers <clears throat> can feel secure that the European buyers will abide by and not say five years later, we're going full speed ahead now uh, on renewables. And even though we signed this contract, we're not going to 
you're not going to abide by the contract we signed. So it's got to be uh, a, a safe long-term contract. Uh, and, the, and the Israelis, also the regulators here, have to give permitting for exporting. For instance, if it's an FLNG, they've got to give permitting and, and, uh, and regulations in order to set up an LNG facility. Or if it's a pipeline to Europe, they've got to give certain permitting for that to happen. So the sides are talking and they're signing MOUs, but it's not enough. They have to sign contracts, they have to put in the regulations in place. Financing has got to be decided who's going to finance the, um, the infrastructure. Thanks so much for, for having a chat with us about the market. And I think it's, it's a difficult situation because obviously the flagship for, for green energy is being flown across the continent, understandably. But given the current situation, you know, I think pressure will eventually mount for people to say, yes, but we want to, you know, heat our homes. I mean, in the UK, we've seen already with the, the new cabinet showing that, yes, we're still going to commit to net zero and all, but there will be a push for, for more gas. Um, and I, I guess we've seen the same with Germany and the continent will probably follow suit. Um, but I think it's interesting as well to hear about other markets that aren't the Russian market that can offer a difference as well. Yes, indeed. I mean, as I said, you should be doing shale and nuclear. In Israel, we have we have a low price and we have our secure supplies because we drilled and we have the gas. And so we're not suffering uh, what is happening in Europe. We have plenty of gas and cheap gas. So um, Europe has to learn from this lesson also, maybe. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much.